presents Haunted Hall. Welcome to Haunted Hall. I'm Louie, and in this new new show under the Haunted Hangover umbrella, I'm wearing myself thin here. The third show under the uh, under the Haunted Hangover umbrella, I guess, is what you what you'd call it. Podcast I'll be joined. Empire. Yes, I'll be joined by my friend of many years, Manny. Hello. And uh, and the the idea with this show is obviously we're going to be talking about horror movies because no we're going to be talking about romantic uh, romantic drama romantic comedies that's what we're going to be talking about Manny on this show B- strictly the before, <laughs> the before sunrise trilogy that's it you know what I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind talking about those three movies <laughs> that yes. might be the exception <laughs> that might, might be, be the, the exception. exception but we're going to be talking primarily about horror horror films but there's a rule. It has to be on physical media of some kind. Yes. A disc. You're, you're, you're holding up the, uh, the movie we're going to be talking about, too, by the yep. way. So Spoilers. Watching the video. Yeah. Well, they already saw the title, so they already know what movie know we're what talking about. Yeah, they know, what they're, they know what they're getting themselves into. But, yes, it has to be on some form of physical media, Blu-ray, DVD, VHS, maybe even Laserdisc. Fuck it. I don't have a player, but maybe you do, Manny. I have no, no idea. No. Yeah, I've, actually, I've actually never had Laserdisc. I have Videodisc, but I've never had Laserdisc. We always had Videodisc when I was young. I never had a Laserdisc either. I couldn't yeah. even... I don't think I ever... I don't even think I had a family member with a Laserdisc. So it was a very short-lived uh, format. To, yeah. I think I was too young, or I wasn't even well, born was, yet, maybe, it right? It was short-lived, <laughs> but, it, but it had a legacy because... Yeah. There are DVDs, a lot of DVDs when they were released in the 90s were just ports from their laser discs yeah. and video disc versions. Like Creep Show yeah. was the same menu and the same transfer that was on the video disc went straight to the DVD. And then the crappy first Blu ray was pretty much the same thing, just blown up. Same yeah. menu on all of them. It's even the commentaries were ported over, right? From some, because uh, I know commentary. Yeah. That's like where they were started. Commentaries, yeah. commentary tracks were started on the laser disc. It's kind of crazy yeah. how laser disc just morphed into DVD, and that's what stuck until Blu-ray came around. So yeah. wild, but yeah, that's the rule. So no streaming on Haunted Hall. We're not allowed to stream. Not allowed to stream. <laughs> we're not allowed to stream the movie we're watching. That'd be cheating. Uh, so I even want us to eventually cover some stuff that's not streaming anywhere. That'd be kind of cool if we can find. We'd have to do some research. What movies? What horror movies aren't? There's, you there's know what? It, it, it's 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 just a matter of timing because movies they go up and then they disappear. And they go up and they disappear. Yeah. You know, like the ch- I don't know if the Changeling is streaming right now. I think it's. I know it's Probably like not. VOD, but yeah, I don't know if it's on actually streaming. Stuff. Yeah, it was on Shutter. It wasn't Shutter over the summer. It, it might, might not be up still. There it might still be there. They, they've pulled it a couple times. They yeah. put it up. They get the licensing for it for like three months, ninety days mm-hmm. or something. Take it down, then six months later, get it back. That's yeah. the. Uh, that's the. That's the bad thing when it comes to uh, streaming. You lose shit, and it goes to other other streaming platforms. And unless you pay for all of them, the uh, the physical media will always come in handy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So people people have to appreciate it's the physical media. Hobby. And yes, I was about to say, it's an expensive hobby. You own way more movies than I do. I'm very picky these days when it comes to what I purchase on physical media, especially some of these Blu-rays. 
some of the insane prices they're asking oh, yes. for 50 60 i've seen d i've seen blu-rays for like a hundred dollars and it's like two discs it's fucking yeah. wild i i'm i'm actually currently at the very moment i have my in my cart because i'm debating on it yeah um there there is a pre pre-order this weekend only on mm-hmm. at cauldron films they're doing the 4k of city of the living dead and it's only available from now through Monday. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's a limited, limited run. It's just it's just what I as far as Jesus. I know, it's just whatever they pre-order this weekend. That's it. Better jump on that, Manny. You know, <laughs> dude, it's it's sitting in my cart, and I'm like, but it's fifty bucks for City yeah. of the Living Dead. And that's the problem. That's the only issue is is I don't think, well, maybe some people are, but we're not rich enough to buy all of these <laughs> releases. Dude, this is, I'm like I'm like oh my credit card is like yes. ridiculous. I mean I mean I keep I'm I've I've been keeping up on it but like it's, this sort of shit just it's ridiculous. And it's <sighs> and, and, and unfortunately people like us in a horror and it always caters to horror fans and hardcore horror fans because mm-hmm. we love physical media. There's an entire VHS culture because mm-hmm. of predominantly horror movies. That's when cult movies and exploitation movies and shit like that, but it's there directing all this stuff towards us because they know we're going to buy we're gonna eight copies of uh, the beyond just because you need, you need, you need to have a, all the, there's I one still... extra special feature on each <laughs> one. It's so, and, and See, I don't what, get a different transfer. Yeah. Well, I don't the get transfers I know are popular. Yeah, it's what it is. Sometimes it's, yeah. it depends on the transfer. It depends on the movie. Like the beyond, I still have the, the tin box. Yes. Remember that, that tin box, what was that? Was that uh, Anchor Bay? I have, no, that wasn't Anchor Bay. That was Anchor Bay. Yes, it was Anchor was Bay. Was it Anchor Bay I, have, the I think I have, the same, I have the same DVD, but mm-hmm. not the tin. You've had that okay. tin case for a very yes. long time. And so. I have not upgraded it yet because nothing has been cooler. Like, I haven't gotten yeah. a new Beyond because of that. They just announced a Grindhouse a Beyond, releasing has think, it, right? Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, they announced a 4K. So okay, yes. I'll I'll upgrade to the 4K. City of the Living Dead, same thing. I had the cheap Anchor Bay yeah. DVD, and I never upgraded. I finally got the Blue Underground uh, Blu-ray. Yeah. Over the summer, because I found it on sale for like twelve bucks. That's I was that's like, my type of price. Yes, perfect. <laughs> so I finally got it, and now they and now they released this, and now they're putting out this. And what the beauty of this is that it's the it's the 4K, it's the Blu-ray, and the it's CD. Everything. So it's yeah, yeah. So it's that's that 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 I'm I'm okay with upgrading when it's going to be both when it's worth um, it. For yeah, you it's going to be both purchase. the 4K and the Blu-ray. I mean, at this point, I have a 4K player. Like you said, you don't have a 4K player yet. Yeah, I said you that know? before we hit record that I do yes. not own a 4K <laughs> a 4K Blu-ray player yeah. yet, but I am looking to hopefully purchase one soon because I would like to also buy some of these new 4K special editions of yeah. some of my favorite movies. I'm at the point now, and I and I'm curious if. I think you're a little looser with your purchasing. Um, I only want to buy a too loose. You're too, a loose. too loose sometimes. Close it up. Close those legs up, yeah. buddy. Um, <laughs> I uh, I uh, I buy movies that I know I love. Mm. Like that's when I'll purchase an, an an insane special edition of a movie. It has to be like, for example, The Beyond. I love The Beyond. I know yeah. you love The Beyond. That's a movie that I too would. I have the the. I think it's the Blu-ray. It might be 2K. I don't really think it's the four. It's obviously not the 4K Blu-ray from Grindhouse releasing. I think it was like two disc or three disc. I forget. Um, but that 
of the Beyond. I, th- okay. I believe it's maybe two. I know it's Grindhouse releasing for sure. I don't. Want, it's back there in my rack. Yeah. Um, and like, I it's a few years old. So if I were mm-hmm. to upgrade it, it would be the 4K. So that's yeah. be you know that's I, I I get it you know just because you want a better just transfer and it looks nicer on your TV yada yada I'm sure there's you have to be a film kind of a cinephile to appreciate shit like this because most people are like I can just stream it on Tubi or wherever mm-hmm. the hell the movie is a lot of, a lot of these movies we love these old horror films and exploitation movies are on Tubi yeah shit some of them yeah. is really shitty transfers but it is what it is you know what I mean it's also streaming within this old house live two residents. One of them is John Russell, composer, professor. The other has been dead for over 70 years. Claire, I'd like to talk to you about the house. Did you die in this house? How did you die? Whatever it is, it's trying desperately to communicate. What is it in that house, Claire? What is it doing? Why is it trying to reach me? But only a few can really terrify you. The Changeling. An experience beyond total fear. But yeah, The Changeling, 1980. Mm. Now, Peter before Medak. we go into the details, yeah, Peter, Peter, is it Peter Medak? Is that how Medak. you pronounce it? Medak? Yes, Medak. Yeah. Peter Medak was the dir- he was the director of the film. Mm. Uh, before we go into the actual synopsis and kind of what happens in this movie, very brief synopsis. We're never going to do deep dives into every nook and cranny of the mm. script because we're going to have a conversation about it. But I know you're a big fan of this movie. I remember when we first met 100 years ago, you had a laser disc, right? Nailed video to disc, the yeah. wall. Video a video disc. disc a CD, video yeah. disc. Yeah. You had it up on your on your wall and and mm-hmm. I and I I know you've always championed this movie. Big top 5 for you, right? Yes. Yes. Top 5. <laughs> and and I and I'll be honest as like a kid, like if you think about it when this movie came out when you were a kid, it is a slow slow-paced mm-hmm. movie, but why for you was this such an important horror movie? Like why why did why do you love it so much? Well, uh first off, it's it's kind of conditioning. Like, you know, yeah. the things you watched when you were young, you love it. Like, especially the things you watch consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, you you just love it. There's something about it. Like, it was it was formative. Yeah. Uh, when I was young, we had we had a, we had a video disc player, and we had um, the main movies I watched was The Changeling, Halloween Three, um, just like Creep, Creep Show. Show? Yes. <laughs> I even know. Yes. I Creep. even know what That's movies what, you love. Total brain fart right there. Yeah. Uh Creep Show, Halloween 3, The Changeling and uh, uh, uh um Altered States. Yes. Those I are watched, definitely Manny yes. movies. Those are Just me. as someone that has known you for a long time. Those are 100%. The, those are Manny movies right yes, there. Yes. 100%. And those were the four for whatever reason. I think I think we also had a copy of The Entity. Um mm. And, Which I want to cover. I would love mm, to dive into that yep. one. We had a copy of the entity, and these are all on video disc. And everything else was um, 
was regular movies. Like we had Superman, we had Star Wars, we had Eddie Murphy, Delirious. Um, we had uh, uh, um, Richard Pryor on the Sunset Strip. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but these were the horror movies we had on video disc. And I watched them like every day. I would just grab another one and pop it in, grab another one and pop it in. Uh, so this became one of those regulars for me. So like I love it partially because I just watched it so much. And mm-hmm. um, and when we talked a little bit beforehand uh, while we were planning this show, you said, you know, uh, something that's, I mean, kind of getting into it early right now, where you said even talk about when you talk about a movie you love, sometimes talk about the things you don't you don't like. Yeah. You know, and that does create interesting conversation. Like as much as I love the movie, it can't be perfect. Yeah. I watched it again today just to right. I watched it like a couple hours ago just so mm-hmm. it's fresh in my mind. And I said to myself, okay, think about what you don't like. I could not find a single thing. Yeah, it's a, so was, to you, it's a perfect I, movie. Yeah, I watched yeah. it, and there was not a single thing in it other than, like, nitpicky little details. Like, oh, I think that line Always delivery. Nitpicks. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like the line delivery was a little off, or maybe that, oh, they could have cut that a little, like, two seconds shorter. You know, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like, no, that's not, like, a problem with the movie. That's yeah. just little things. You know, that I feel are probably fixed with time and style of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Something where it's like, okay, well, if you were to do this today, yeah, you that would be a little shorter. That would be a little faster. That would be just because the time dictated how you made movies. Yeah. It, again, know? it's a 40-year-old film. Yes. So things yeah. were very exactly. different. Audiences were very different. Exactly. In 1980. So if you just, even the 70s, or just a yeah. few years, you think about it. Which is kind of crazy because this movie feels more, well, 1980. It feels like a, it was shot it was in 70s. the 70s. It feels very 70s. It feels 70s. very 70s. And, and I think that's, it's, that's one of the strongest things about it. Uh, before we dive too much into it, because mm-hmm. I know that, that'll happen. Uh, uh, one quick thing. I actually saw this for the first time with you. Ooh. A long time. Really? I don't even think you remember. I watched really? this for the first time with you. I didn't watch this until I was like 17 years old. Wow. With you and that. Lynn and maybe Ray. I think might have been mm. there. We watched it on DVD. I remember years ago, and I remember enjoying that DVD. it, but thinking it was yeah, That's that the one. one. <laughs> the, the, the is that like a Warner Brothers like snap case yep. or whatever, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, the gatefold. <laughs> the gatefold. There you go. Yep. Um, I remember watching that. I remember watching it for the first time with you. Up until meeting you, I didn't know about this movie. Hmm. I, I did not know it existed until I met you because. I, I knew it was one of your favorite movies, and you randomly put it on. I forget. I forget the context why you put it on. It might have been like I just was like Probably, oh, I never saw it. It, it might have pro- been just that where I said you have to see. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah. We put it on and we watched it at like two o'clock in the morning, which yeah. is probably not the best movie to watch at two o'clock in the morning. I, I think for it's some the best people. movie. I think it's probably the yeah. best movie well, to watch at two o'clock. Well, <laughs> some people would, I'm sure, would disagree with us because it's. <laughs> Very well, slowly Some paced. people are losers. <laughs> some people are wrong. Oh, no, I'm yes. just kidding. It's subjective. It's subjective. <laughs> All right. So let's go into some of the small details about the film. First, mm. what version did you watch? What um, release? I actually watched the Blu-ray that you have, and then I watched the, the, the UHD. Both of them are Severin Films releases. Yes. So you have this one. I have this the slip tw- cover. Which is the 2018 Severin release, yes, correct? 2018 Severin release. With, I you got a, the slip cover? I yeah, did not. I, did the, I don't know why. I did, I'm a well, this is, I, I did the pre-order. <laughs> as soon as they announced it, I did the pre-order. That might have been came, why. It came with the ball. 
Yeah, you got the whole. Yeah, came oh, with I, the ball. I have some shit to say about that ball later on. <laughs> oh yeah, I have the poster. There's actually the poster. It's actually behind on the wall that I'm like yeah. staring at it. It came with the poster of that black that on a poster. Yeah. Um, so I have that and the ball. That's a really this. cool. I, I didn't know it, it was, came with the ball. That's mm-hmm. fucking cool. They still have it. I think I'm pretty sure it's still on the on the website for like five bucks if you want it. The ball <laughs> by want. itself? Oh, yep. I might have to fucking go and buy yeah. it then. I, I just want the fucking ball. Yeah, That's I'm it. pretty sure they still have That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Severing on one side and changing That's on awesome. the other. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna jump after we're done recording. I'm gonna jump on and just buy the ball randomly goes, from the Severin. Goes website. well with my May eyeball. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, dude. I had no is. idea they released the ball. But yeah, yeah that, that's I'm, like you said. I'm, I'm watching the the 2018 yeah. so Severin release. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, there was a little drama with this release, a little right? Bit. That's why I got what, this. Well, not what why was I got it? This one. What, um, what, what was the issue with this release again? The first. The first run of it, apparent, which is what I have, and I didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's not. Well, I, I didn't check for it actually. Uh, on the five point one audio mix, there are apparently some sound effects missing in a couple of scenes. That's crazy. And there's a line or two of dialogue that's missing. Wow. Yeah, like well, because I mean, you you clean up audio. You know what it's like when you clean yeah. audio. Sometimes you layer it. You know, you take it apart, you layer it, and then you clean that, and then you and let they it. just completely it forgot seemed, it was missing uh, it completely. It happens sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes when you're doing that, uh, especially when, like, I mean, hey, you've edited feature films, you know how many audio layers you have. It's very <laughs> easy to accidentally leave one muted. Yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> and I look, even and, on the podcast, you want to yeah, exactly. You want to <laughs> add some sort of sound effect, or you want to add music or something to it. You might yeah. just leave it on mute by accident exactly. when you export. It's very so. easy to leave to leave a layer muted, and I have a feeling something like that is what happened. Uh, so yeah, there was a couple of sound effects and uh, one or two lines of dialogue that were missing in it, and they did a replacement disc. Now that was only on the five point one mix, which is probably which is oh, one that they, okay. that they cleaned up. And I'd never watched it with the five point one; I only watched it with the two point the original stereo mix. Yeah. Um, I did then watch it with the five point one, but and and I did notice an audio difference. When he's walking to uh, uh, George C. Scott is walking into Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going up the staircase, and then it cuts to it cuts to is it Lincoln Center or maybe he's already in the other whatever. And he and it cuts to him uh, uh, talking to his friends about the new job that he's about to mm-hmm. have. And he's talking when he's sitting in front of the fireplace with, yeah. with, with them. Right before that, I did notice that the. Um, fire trucks and the sounds of the city were a lot more muted like i actually switched between the two i pulled up the dvd menu and i went back and forth between the 2.0 and the 5.1 audio and i could hear it was was noticeably different yeah interesting so yeah so that was the first pressing of it then they did a replacement disc which apparently had similar had another issue as well and then Mm. they did a third run of wow it. Yeah. wow what happened severin yeah, what the hell i know the- yeah they, they, so they did they did three different runs of this disc that's wild that they had to I do i wonder what version i have i wonder if i have any of the i don't I would know. have to go through it and figure it out yeah, yeah I would you'd have, have to, to I would, watch it on 5.1 yeah i guarantee i did not I, I didn't watch it on 5.1 i'm so. sure if you don't have the slip case you probably don't have the first run so i'm yeah. assuming i have that i'm assuming that's so the, the copy people, i have 
So the people that paid full price for this special edition got the fuck the the, the, the shitty well, not shitty. It's honestly yeah. such a small detail. I'm sure there were people that watched it that didn't notice, and yeah, there were some I people didn't. that were paying it. I'm sure. I'm sure I of it. I did not notice it. Uh, uh, I didn't notice it when I I didn't notice it. They said that apparently there's a line or two of dialogue missing. That's muted. Yeah, well, and, and you didn't, didn't even notice it at all. I did not notice that at uh, all. And you know I the movie even know, pretty well. I, I know so. I know it very well, and I didn't <laughs> so. notice it. So. Um, but so yeah, so they did a replacement disc program, and 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 as a result of these boutique labels, the fact mm. that they're run by two or three people really, yeah. like Severin is like five people, you know, mm. Vinegar Syndrome is five people that yeah. run everything, you know, Cauldron Films is one guy. Um, they end up having a very close relationship with their fans. So when there's a problem with the discs, you end up emailing like the owner of the company, like uh, um, who's the company? What's this guy's name? David Gregory, is the British guy. That pretty much runs Severin, you know. Okay. Um, and he's, I think he's in the group, and he answers a lot of the messages. And he's so, like, "Hey, I'll send you a replacement. Don't worry." Well, that's about what happened. It. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people complained, so they did a run of replacement discs, yeah. and everybody who bought it automatically got a replacement disc. Hmm, that's that's cool. At least they have good customer service on there, and that's a good thing. So, so okay, so to get back onto this now so i watched so i watched that blu-ray because i wanted to compare because since they were doing a new the new version they did a new transfer mm-hmm. and they used the internegative i think this time and uh yeah so it's a new 4k it's a new 4k transfer of the internegative of the changeling and holy shit the it's like a visual difference, like the visual difference between yeah. them. Like you see movies, there are a lot of movies where you see them, like Vinegar Syndrome does all these. Um, Vinegar Syndrome is really good at doing restorations and making it look like the original film. Okay. Okay. And Scream Factory tends to do a lot of their restorations look really good, but uh, sometimes it just looks like it makes, they make it look like a new film. They make it look very, yeah. I wouldn't say digital. Exactly, but it looks very clean. It looks like something like if it was a fresh film print today. That's yeah, what it would look I, like. I see. I see what you're talking about, especially you know? like certain movies, especially really old movies or really low yeah. budget movies. You can yeah. kind of see they clean them up in the releases. So. Yeah, they clean them up. They clean them up, and they look great. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the first Changeling, the one that you have, looks great. Yeah. This, this though, I feel like I was watching a film print. The, That's amazing. It looked. Gorgeous. The 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 grain that's on the grain that's back in there. The blacks are so heavy and deep, but you don't lose uh, any detail. It yeah. absolutely looks gorgeous. I love the grain. So, I love that you can yes. see it. That's like one yeah. of my favorite aspects of watching <laughs> these movies on such a high resolution. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's yeah. a charm to it. You don't see that in movies now, which is exactly. really sad. So you really don't. You know? you know. So this is a movie I've been watching my entire life, and I felt like. Oh my God, I've never seen it like this before. <laughs> it was like when I first, it was like when I got that. Did you ever see the uh, original, the Region 2 Blu ray of Creepshow in the black cover? No, I never watched that version. It was the first time that the movie had been restored since the Laserdisc. Wow. So the Laserdisc, the video disc, the DVD, and the Blu ray were all the same copy until this Region 2 release. And. 
again, I felt like I was watching the movie I'd been watching my entire life. I for the, I bought that. I felt like I was watching it for the first time all over again because it looked so good. The colors were so bright. The blues, the reds, the, everything was so yeah. gorgeous. Is know, the, I wonder if so the Scream Scream Factory release of Creep shows the same transfer, or is it uh, completely different? It, I think it's. I think it might be <sighs> the same transfer. But I have that too. Is. It also looks. It also looks yeah, way better. Than that looks really good too. For it I haven't might watched be it in a while, transfer. but it, it look. It does look really good. So. Yeah. That's that's cool, man. Yeah. I I really would like to, like I said before, I, I need to get a 4K player just mm-hmm. so I can watch some of these movies yeah. and, and, the be- have and the my best mind part, blown. <laughs> part of the worst, the best and worst part is the fact that I'm watching it on a 4K player, but I only have an HD TV. I don't even have a 4K TV. So like, step it up, man. When I get when I get a 4K TV, oh my god, I'm gonna watch it all. <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna, gonna watch gorgeous. the Changeling end up in the movie. That's how fucking you know, clear this shit's gonna just, look. I'm, I'm gonna walk Lincoln Center. There I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna a corduroy jacket is just gonna appear on you like George C. Scott in the movie. That's right. You're gonna be in. It'll be right next to him. That's Same right. outfit. Uh, so yeah, black like, leather let's satchel. Go, black. Yes, yes. Wearing gl- black leather, black leather gloves and a pair of uh, blue dad jeans with your leather, you your leather shoes. Oh my god, um, the jeans, the, <laughs> the jeans. This is my favorite part. <laughs> I, I trust you. It's one of my favorite aspects of, of, of the movie is just George C. Scott, the John character. We'll get into that a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some small details. Once again, Changeling, 1980, directed mm-hmm. by Peter Medek. Medek, yeah. Uh, starring George C. Scott, who is a very well-known actor. If you don't mm-hmm. know who George C. Scott is, I can't help you. He's a very, very popular well, if actor. if you don't know who George C. Scott <laughs> is, you're listening to the right show because we're going to educate you and we're going to open your whole world <laughs> there up. There you go. To the world of George C. Scott. <laughs> there you go. And then uh, Trish Van, I, I'll Trish, consider her the 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 the, the, guess, the supporting lead. Yes, Trish co-lead. Van yeah, mm-hmm. which was his wife in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, up until the day he died, which is amazing. They had very good chemistry yep. for for a good reason when you watch mm-hmm. the movie. Um, got a little. Let me let me get into a little synopsis here. I know you. I know you have one too, but it's a bit long, so maybe we'll, keep it short. we'll, we'll dive we'll keep into it short mine. And my synopsis will come out in parts because there's a story that goes with the movie. So there, there you go. So uh, the Changeling follows a NYC, New York City-based composer named John Russell, who recently we see it happen. Pretty bleak, pretty depressing. Loses his wife and daughter. In a horrible snowball snowball fight accident, I'm just kidding. It, well, listen, it, a <laughs> snowball fight. Snowballs. It, listen, snowball. the snowball. It is a snowball fight, and they do yeah. die while the snowball playing with snow. Uh, they're crushed by a car that's a hit truck. by a truck yes. that swerves. There's, a, it's a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. While George C. Scott is trying to call. I guess like AAA or something. Yeah, a toad. A toad. I don't even know if AAA was around. Yeah, the car breaks down on the side of the road, and they're just and they kept and they pushed the car until they got to a phone booth, and they're out on this like this weird side mountain, upstate New York, by like a ski, like a ski mountains and Mm -hmm. and shit like that. Uh, But yes, they're both killed. He's obviously very depressed. And he gets, uh, I, I get, it's, I, I don't know if it's explained or not. Maybe Manny, you can clarify mm-hmm. the small detail. He gets a new job he's, and decides to relocate to Seattle, he's a Washington. Yes, he he is a he's a world class composer, and um, he's working on a new composition. Yes. In the meantime, he gets himself a job at his old music school as a guest lecturer 
for the semester. He's going to teach. He's going to teach a class. His one of his one of the classes mm-hmm. he took. So he's yeah. coming on in the semester for this. And while he works on his new piece, and he rents yes. a uh, he rents a historic mansion from the historical society in Seattle. Yes, that's what it is. Because I know there's a there's a little more to it. I didn't want to just yeah. brush over why he's yeah. there. He's a composer. That's like you said. That's kind of a main reason mm-hmm. he goes plus he's dealing with this really depressing horrible event that happened to him mm-hmm. in his life so yeah he about, rents this uh, three this, months yeah. it was actually three months three, after wow i didn't even catch how long yeah. after it, it was mm-hmm. but yeah he rents this mansion from a local historical agent named claire um mm-hmm. and we learned that the mansion's Trish been Vandermeer. empty yes his his again george scott's wife uh the mansion's been empty for 12 years mm-hmm. and john starts to learn that the house is haunted by a spirit of a boy who was, and we're, I'm sure we're going to get into it because I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about the ending oh, just yet. We will yet. get into it, 100%. Yes, we will, we will get into the ending. But the spirit of a boy who was murdered by his father in the house, and yep. John is slowly uncovering the dark truth of what happened to this boy. Hence the name the changeling. If you mm. know what that means, that word. Yeah, that's which, it. Spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. You ruined the, the movie for yourself. Yes. If you, the title if you of the saw film, the Angelina Jolie movie, you know what a you know what a changeling is. <laughs> if, you, if if you're watching the Angelina Jolie movie, you're turn watching the wrong. Turn it off. You're watching the wrong changeling. That's turn not what off. we're talking about at all. It does not star Angelina Jolie <laughs> at all. I'm gonna try to guess. Help. 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 Oh. Come on, let's have a snowboard. Oh, no, 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 no. So yeah, let, let's just go into some stuff we really, we really love about this movie. Uh, and I'll start, you know, and I want to talk about that opening because of how, and I remember the first time watching this movie once again with you, it is really bleak. It's it cold, the snow, you can see the breath, uh, the, the, the innocence of his wife and his daughter just playing, having a good time. And you it's not one of those, the movie never cuts away. It's a wide shot. You see them get fucking run over. You get see it away. happens. And then you see, and, and honestly, I don't mean to laugh because it is really depressing. For some reason, John can't get out of the phone booth. He's yeah. just locked in there. I will admit it's a bit silly why he can't get out of it. It's, it's I, I'm assuming some snow those, is blocking it or something. <laughs> it's one of those old movie things where they and, and you know what they still do it in movies now. Yeah, they do. Where people are they're in such a panic at what they're doing, no matter no matter how mundane their task is, they're yes. going to screw it up because of their panicked mm-hmm. nature. So, and he watches yeah. this. He, yes. com- he he sees this he's, shit happen. He's literally on the phone, and he mm-hmm. looks this way, and there's a truck coming, and he can see the truck, like pivoting through Slowly. the snow, yeah, because it's making a turn, swerving, can, he, and all this shit. He sees the the truck swerving. He turns and he sees them behind the car. Mm-hmm. So the two of them are snowball fighting behind the car, which is why they can't see the truck coming at them. You know, because they're because mm-hmm. it's her daughter's like like six years old, so yeah. mom is kind of you know, hunched over and you know down on her knees and stuff playing playing with it. So they so the truck is behind the car, so they can't see it. He turns the whole thing, and it it seems like it's like you said, like why can't he open this? But the fact is, this happens in about five seconds. 
Yeah. You know, like it if you got a truck. It plays a little longer. It feels well, it plays longer. In slow than, motion. It's a movie. It's, all, yeah, it's also do, a movie. So you, it is a movie. It, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But it's yeah. funny because if you think about it, even what I'm saying makes no sense because if you could get out, I guess the movie would not end. It wouldn't happen. It would be able to movie. There would be, a would be no changeling. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's part of the, it's part of what's one what's what's so amazing about the film is the mm-hmm. fact that you feel like how could he not get out so long? Because mm-hmm. if you've ever been in that sort of traumatic situation, the, everything slow, comes to a slow crawl. Yeah, like everything is extended and it feels like a long moment. Something that happens in a matter of seconds feels like minutes, yeah. and that's kind of it's how they. Yes, yes, that's exactly how they portray the scene. Like it's this long moment because that's how it's happening to him. It's happening in slow motion, and there's nothing he can do. He's just yeah. in this phone booth. I don't understand why he would have closed the door to the phone booth <laughs> yeah. to begin with, other than habit, I guess. We're def- because We're definitely overthinking it. Yes, <laughs> totally overthinking of- it. We're totally <laughs> Again, overthinking it. There'd be no movie it's, if he yeah. could, I guess, It's warn a very them. simple, mundane thing that yeah. he gets in a phone booth, and because he's in the phone booth, he doesn't have the time to open the booth, run across the road through the snow to save his family from the, car- from the truck that's coming at them 50 miles an mm-hmm. hour. You and, know, and, and and the way it plays out too, it's so quiet mm-hmm. and scenic. Yep. For they this cut, to just they cut happen. the audio to yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's funny, this is all before the title, like the title sequence too. So you're hit with and probably the most depressing aspect of the movie or no, you don't yeah, there's there's some more it's, depressing shit later on, but I think No, but it's pretty it, it's pretty, it's pretty yeah, bleak. I think it's the darkest aspect of the whole movie even when you learn some other shit that's going on with the ghost and all that but it it, it starts off with a bang and that's mm-hmm. one of the strongest aspects of this film i think it's just it, i always remember i always remember like his family being murdered that's like <laughs> even when i it, it, even when i hadn't watched it in a while like i watched the movie and let's say a few years passed by and i watch it that image of him banging on the glass mm-hmm. And just yep. them being fucking slammed by this car into they snow. Get crushed by the the truck hits them. There's a sign on the side of the road for, it the, runs for the, the. It goes through the sign. For, it's a sign for the yeah. resort or whatever that's up there or something. You know mm-hmm. whatever whatever trail they're on. It goes through the car. It goes through the trail. The 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 sign the the, the trail sign and you literally see them covered in snow yeah. and the car just totally overtakes them. You know, very like it, it's final a, destination-esque. It's straight, yeah, just kind of straight up like overhead shot. Hitting, yes. hitting, and hitting. So. And then it cuts back to him in the phone booth and his reaction of that that moment mm-hmm. where he realizes what just happened. And then it freeze frames into the title. The changeling, change yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you stare. Which is great. Yeah, and you just hold on his face. For yeah. about ten seconds of just that I'm a, look of, <laughs> of utter I'm a terror. sucker for like even aesthetically I've always loved and I've done it in my stuff. I I, I like the freeze frame on the title yeah. or just a black screen on the title because that's always like I just aesthetically I feel like it packs a punch in movies. Mm-hmm. And in this movie it 100% packs a punch yes. because of the emotional totally. just how distraught this character is and you've only been with them for three minutes max, and that's even I think I think I'm I'm overdoing it. I don't even think the intro is that long. I think it's maybe oh, right. It's maybe three minutes. Yeah, maybe three minutes, and 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 it again hits you full force. Like this is gonna be some shit you're about to watch. Father, the world, 
Um, though the, the, uh, and they even, they even said this in some of the, um, the behind the scenes stuff that's on there and, and some of the commentaries about how mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a trope to have someone who's just lost a, a family member or someone close to them in a horror movie where they've just lost them. Now let's stick them in a big empty house. Yeah. Because this gigantic empty house just accents how lonely and isolated and, and separated from everything they feel, how much they feel like they have, they have nothing left. Yeah. Now, and this gorgeous, gorgeous historic house. I mean, it, it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Aesthetically, <laughs> it looks great. And just yes. everything about it feels it's uh, it's got a lot of like wood architecture inside mm-hmm. of it and wood just kind of and structures. It's and it's oh, a yeah. set. I know. See, I didn't know that. It's which is fucking set. crazy. The whole and, house is a set. And what's wild is if you think about it, you only see certain rooms in this house you only see it like the downstairs that i guess foyer or um, whatever you see most the, of the downstairs is only you only see one the attic room, i think you obviously. see one room upstairs and then the mm-hmm. attic yeah, yeah you don't see a, the for such a big in the basement for such a big ass house you only yeah. see mm-hmm. certain part and again you, you think about it the shining another well, there big, actually is they actually did yeah. do that on purpose too there is um the there's an one entire floor mm-hmm. of the house that he never goes to yeah, he's which is never, cool. He never even entered. Yeah, the house is so big. There's a whole f- one entire floor. He never goes. He never. He's never there. Like he yeah. has the one room that he sleeps in on the second floor. There's a third floor mm-hmm. of this. But he's never, never see on. It. He's yeah. never on the third floor. And you only. Ever I didn't even see, think about that. Wow. Yeah, you only ever see the second floor bedroom that he's in. You never see the other rooms. You see the hallway, the staircase, and the closet that leads to the room. Yeah, they must have. They must have written that into the script just because. No, he's they by did himself. do it on purpose. They, they did, did it. On, it on they did do it yes. on purpose. The director, That's a cool the little. Uh, did it on purpose. He says there's an entire floor that he never enters. You never see. Yes. They even say in in the movie. I believe it's the Claire character says that they wanted to turn it into a museum, and that's what it yep. looks like. It looks like a kind of it museum yeah. deal. Uh, I, yeah, I also they like even how have always, staff. Yeah, there's like you people see that they even there, have right? staff. Yeah, yeah. That, that that their job is to keep the house clean and dust it regularly and polish everything because it is mm-hmm. it's owned by the historical society. So he's just renting it. So he's him, just hanging out there for, yeah, for his, a temporary his rental time. exactly. And historical societies do this where they have these old homes. It's not as easy as it, it's not it's not a very easy thing to to do. But mm-hmm. um, that's part of part of where the drama begins in this is that his yeah. paperwork was pushed through quickly. Yes. You know? yes. Um, because this is the sort of thing to get a, to rent a historic house, it takes a lot. You know, yeah. like they, they I can't references imagine. Yeah, they they have to prove you you have to prove to them that you are not going to destroy this place because yeah, it's, you know, again, it's historic. But your rent your rental is is going to go to um, the upkeep of the house and help pay the maintenance and everything. Uh, but there's something more to that. We'll get into that later. There's a little uh, more to that. <laughs> I also want to point out that there's stained glass outside. There's like mm-hmm. stained glass windows. There's yeah. uh, I, I noticed in a few shots, there's like a little fog that mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of give it that yep. ambiance of a creepy, yep. a did creepy. You, did you uh, watch mansion. the behind the scenes stuff? Yeah, I watched all the I watched all the okay. special features. Okay, yeah, so yeah, you I did. Do, okay, it's right, actually so you know, so you know the, you know it's the based stuff that's on a true story. Yes. Yeah, it's based on a true story. I figured we'll close out the show. It's kind of running through. <laughs> That'll be our format. We'll uh-huh. kind of run through the kind of some of yep. the special features briefly and kind of talk about it. But yeah, I agree. It's it's it just to, and again the only other movie I could think of or one of the movies 
that I can think of is The Shining, even though that's a hotel, but still just a, a huge, set. creepy space that's a set, but feels real. I, I thought this was, too. yeah, yes. I would have yeah. thought this was, uh, I thought that was the, I thought that was the interior. I, I guess I yeah. might've missed that. I might've missed that detail. I had no yeah, the idea. The interior is all a set. The front of the building is a facade. Mm-hmm. So there is a building that they use, and then they just built the facade on front. And as mm-hmm. soon as um, the uh, again, it's and it's in the special features. The way they explain it exactly that as soon as he steps through the door, you're on a set. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's yeah. I, that's I, I love how because I didn't I haven't listened to the commentary yet. So that's mm-hmm. one thing I definitely want to dive into eventually on this Blu-ray. I haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to watch it again with the commentary. I'm sure they talk all about that and the yeah. art the the art director i think mentioned that that's probably why i, I might have missed it in the special feature yeah. he might have talked about it in that special feature yes um, yeah and they talk about uh, building the house yeah building the house and stuff like that which is really cool uh, i also want to talk about just you know george we'll talk about it now i feel like we should just get it out of the way mm-hmm. george c scott just his performance is is great in this movie. george c scott is great in everything but this character of john russell and, and you know everything about him, his swagger, I guess, and, and, and he does have a swagger for mm-hmm. someone who's kind of like a stuffy composer. You you kind of get that, and <laughs> you you only get a small glimpse of how charming he is, specifically during the lecture mm-hmm. where he jokes. Like so one of the yes. first things he makes yeah. a joke, you know, and and, it's not and raining outside. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's great, and, and yes, you know, in this so movie, good. I feel like in this movie specifically, George C. Scott didn't get to utilize that tool too much. There's only a little bit of it because the character's dealing with so much drama and he's dealing with a ghost that mm-hmm. that's kind of abusing him to get this information out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And kind of fucking with him the entire movie. But just everything about him, his hair, the jacket, the way he carries himself, you know, when he's talking to Claire, they yep. never they never really flirt with each other. That re- which I do like about the movie. There isn't any of that with this female John's character is very different, especially yeah. for, especially for a haunted house film. It's very different, yeah. and that was also something that they did on purpose. They purposely, like even him, he's not the type of actor you would choose for this kind of role. No, but Peter Medic want they wanted him specifically because um, his choice for the character was that. Um, I mean, think of a haunted house movie. Think of any haunted yeah. house movie, and what do you have? Like even, even like even Amityville Horror. You know, you got you got <laughs> you're Mr. Brolin. You got That's this always awesome, been yeah. awesome Mr. Brolin. Yeah, and then yeah. so there's him going nuts, and the wife who's just who's losing it because of yeah. fear. Shining. Once again, that's another one where it's just there the dad is, slowly going insane throughout the entire movie. Exactly, and then you have the wife who's just panicked. Yeah, most the of the time, movie. you know, mm-hmm. and that's generally what your two, what your one of two main characters in a haunted house are. You have either the, the possession or the panic. Yeah, and he was neither of them. He yeah. was not. This ghost did not scare him. No, which is he unique. Was, he's tough. Yeah, Dude, he, yeah. He's not afraid. He's he not calls, afraid. That the house is haunted. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? What do you want he, from me? <laughs> he literally calls the ghost a son of a bitch yeah. in one scene. Which you is, son, of, son a bitch. of a bitch. Like I love that he just does. There's no has, fucks given. Yeah, in this movie, and that was purposely <laughs> done where they wanted he wasn't going to be afraid. They didn't want someone who was going to run. And and just panic. They wanted he someone who's gonna. He stays in the house, yes, dude. He, yes, he, he purposely. 
honestly leaving is not an option knowing there's a ghost in the house that wants him to do something leaving is not an option um fuck this shit i'm not fuck fuck this i'm staying (laughs) what is this sound what are you doing (laughs) i I paid this rent i'm fucking staying here you can throw all the balls at me you want i don't give a shit Uh literally that's the performance in the movie he just wants to make music he just wants to do his job and compose shit and the ghost is fucking with him trying to get his attention Mm -hmm. when he's just minding his business he's literally the john is an innocent bystander who just so happened to walk into a haunted house Mm -hmm. and now he's basically working with the ghost so the ghost is Forcing so the ghost him. to leave him the fuck alone already. That's really what it is. Like she just wants him to leave him alone already. <laughs> yeah. Like can I finish what like... I'm doing? But he realizes that the ghost is actually getting to him. Yeah. There's there it is, but it's not making him crazy. But it's in his head. Um, Again, like you said, like leave me the fuck alone. I just yes. want to be done with this yeah. so I can move on with life. I have yeah. my own issues. Is basically what mm-hmm. the character wants, yeah. especially so, when it comes to the ghost. Well, what he does is. Um, he he wakes up one morning and he hears banging, 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 and yeah. and it happens the next morning. Well, why would it happen again? So he calls a plumber and the plumber comes and says, "Oh, the old house is an old house. It has pipes. Mm-hmm. It has it has routine yeah. and everything." And he hears it again. And he hears it again. And um, through the course of just the, he he he, I forget exact. I forget what the exact incident was, but he's in a closet and he realizes that behind a shelving, behind the shelving unit. There's a door, much like it is in Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. where she takes the the shelves that are on there, and she yeah. realizes there's a door behind the shelves. He says the same thing. There's like an armoire in this closet, and he co- pulls the whole armoire, and there's a door there. Breaks through the door, he goes, and he realizes there's, it, it, it takes him to a staircase that takes him to a small room upstairs. So the house has a couple of spires that you notice. You know the 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 uh, up up those those little rooms, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. and so he goes into one of them, and it's a little boy's room. Well, it's it's a dusty like mess. It's of a room. dusty room with a there's a wheelchair, wheelchair in it, yeah. and a and a clawfoot bathtub, and yeah. a little desk that has a bunch of papers on it, and um, oh, it was it was uh, the glass. He's outside. That's what it is. He's outside, and uh, he happens to be in front of the house, and glass bursts out of the house and he looks up and he sees that there's a broken window up in one of the spire rooms there's broken window so he starts searching through the house trying to figure out what room this is yeah and he realizes that this room that he's in here should go there like how how do i get up there i'm yeah. on the wrong floor you know and that's when he finds the door and he goes up and there's the broken window so someone broke the window out from inside he finds a little diary in there and of of the kid, and there's a music box. And he opens the music box, and a little a little ballerina thing starts playing, and the music plays in it. He realizes that the music in the music box is the piece he's been composing, which is a great little kind of yeah. him just realizing like oh shit. And they never they never really dive into how it kind of influenced him. It just he yeah, just, it just notices is. it and that's he's it. He's just he's in the house and he realizes mm-hmm. like and they do look into what it is and he's like it had to be popular at one point. Yeah. He's like but I swear I've never heard this before. But it's the exact 
same piece that he's been writing the last you know couple weeks that he's been in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he realizes there's a little bit more to it, and um, then he starts hearing voices, and he starts, and the, the piano gets that's hit once or twice, and he gets a, a psychic group to come in, and which is a great scene. To, the whole which seance, is yeah, which that's is a great. great scene. Yeah, I think I think every haunted house film that has a seance has taken from this scene. Because it's yeah. it's so great between this and the one in the entity, the two of them. Yeah, the entity the, has with, a great one the, too. <laughs> you know those two because those were both uh, 1980, right? The entity was 79, yeah. I think. I, I, it might have been 81, yeah. 79, 80, around around the same time. Not far. Yeah. I think I think every haunted house film since then has taken from one of those one of these two movies. Yeah. You know. Um, you can it's just definitely so, see. It's so amazingly done. You can see a lot of influence, like like. This happens later on, but there's a scene with a well and mm-hmm. the, a skeleton in a well, very reminiscent of the ring. And yep. the ring had to have 100%. the ring had to have maybe watched, like the director yep. of the original ring watched this movie, and it had to have been an influence it's, because it's, that's it's the same. Dude, it's the same, it's the same progression. It's everything. Yeah, it's a, exactly. It's a woman who finds out that the kid was killed, thrown in a well, well buried in the well. A house, same thing. A, a house built on top of the well. Yeah. They dig up the kid, and then and then the ghost is still not satisfied. Still, exactly. It's, it's, it is it's exactly the A little more, a more of a revenge tale in the ring, yeah. which I guess is where they changed it well, because the is, ghost here, well, this is revenge. He, but is, he's ven- not, he is vengeful ghost. He, is he vengeful. just doesn't take, he didn't take revenge on them. Yes, it's not. He's not in the ring. (laughs) The ring, it'll kill random people. In this, it's more so trying to get to people that are involved in what happened to them. John is with us. How did you die? Did you die in this house? Why do you remain in this house? As a kid, the banging on the walls that he wakes up to, the boom, 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 and the wheelchair chasing Trish Vanderveer down, those two scenes scared the absolute living hell out of me every single time I yeah. watched it. Like, <laughs> yeah, those they're, were they're, they're creepy fucking nightmare. scenes. And, and, yes. and this, isn't a mo- this is a movie that doesn't have... It's got creepy moments, but it's not, you know, a jump scare movie. There's not no. jump scares every three seconds, which... which Nowadays, you know, when you watch a, a haunted house or movie, any real jump I don't scares. think there's any jumps. This is like before jump scares were a, a thing, I uh, guess, or the the term jump scare was a thing. I think at the, at the time, really, jump scares were like that was a giallo thing. Yeah, yeah. It was po- a slasher possibly. thing. The cat jumping out of yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. This you know? is not that type of movie where yeah, you know that was a, there's jump no George C. Scott. Thing. There's no George C. Scott walking into a room and then a cat jumps on top of a no, garbage can or something like that. There isn't any of that, which is which is definitely that's that's probably one of, you know, you you watch these movies, these older films, you know, with with the mindset that when you watch a movie now, like a, a more contemporary movie, and you realize that all these tropes, some of these older films didn't even do them. It's kind of fucking crazy. You would think a movie yeah. like this would have jump scares and stuff like that, and it doesn't have any of that maybe the ball and the piano possibly but like you said it's not really technically a jump scare well, what i guess you hear, what you hear in the in the in the uh commentary they talk about a couple of times uh, peter medic he was originally hired to do he, well, he wasn't hired but he was approached to do the others mm. and um, that makes sense <laughs> yeah and he loved the script 
And he's like, this is a great script, but uh, whatever, one thing or another, mm-hmm. he, did, he never did it. And they went with uh, uh, Alejandro Amenabar. And he yeah. ended up doing, doing the others. But he said the script that he saw versus the final movie were completely different. Wow. <laughs> he said the, mo- the final movie ripped off the Changeling when the original script didn't. Wow. So it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like the producers knew what they, (laughs) Oh, I love the others. It's amazing. But it's almost like the producers wanted to do a changeling type movie. And they gave, so they went to the changeling director and said, Hey, Mm -hmm. you do it. You know, here's the script, you do it. And they figured that it'll just, that style will happen naturally. And when it come, came to finding another director, it's almost like they changed it to the point where it got to the movie that they wanted it to be. You know, or or they told him this is what would this is this is what the the decision they made that they wanted to do something like the changeling, a modern day changeling. Yeah, and that's, they just that's kind of crazy. The script. Yeah. And now thinking about the others, yeah, I could see how they maybe could have fit a plot, a similar plot, you know, in the in that film, like the changeling. It, yeah, kind of maybe minus the whole they're dead. It's you know, not so. Been I don't think it's so time. much the plot as it is as it is the the aesthetic, the pacing, yeah, the, the style, the look, yeah. yeah, everything. The whole and he was like they outright ripped off the Changeling. He he <laughs> says it. He says it, and he's like we they just, just stole our movie. We love the Changeling. <laughs> We're just gonna fucking rip off everything good about it and just make a yeah. new movie starring Nicole Kidman. That's it. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. So, and and the go. fact that he was approached to do the movie, it's almost like there's almost there's no coincidence here that it's yeah. so similar in. Look and tone and pace to it. I never even thought know? about that. Wow, that's 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 wild. That you know, thinking about it, you're right. Just and I believe in the in the others, and it's been it a while since like I watched the, the same others. house, dude. There's like those exterior wide shots with the fog yep. fucking blowing by. So yeah, it, it, it I could see how and the that seance was a big scene influence. in the end. The yeah. seance in the end. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think you about know? that. Wow. Again, all these seance scenes, they all they all, all the take same. from the changeling. They the all changeling, changeling definitely was an inspiration for a lot of yes. movies. The a lot at least thirty years after it came out, a lot mm-hmm. of these you know haunted house it's, movies, even something like The Conjuring, you can feel. Yeah. Oh, 100%. The tone. The tone. 100%. Is is the it slow the Conjuring pace. or the in, or Insidious where she wears the gas mask, and she's and she's writing in the book. For the for the it, uh, the uh, woman Lin Shay, which one is it? That oh, that's that Insidious. Shea? That's Insidious. Insidious. It's been a while. And it's been a while since I've watched Insidious. <laughs> when she so. does the when she does the uh, uh, um, the seance, she wears yeah. a gas mask so that she can talk directly to him because it's got the yeah. hose and he listens to it. So he talks directly to it, and then she writes. So and and like that, without take the gas mask away, and it's the same scene with yeah. the writing and 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 just the constant the mess and changing the pages and all that, you know. Yeah, um, for sure. I I could see that. Uh, I could see that. You know, being especially with these with these movies, especially like James. That's James Wan, right? That directed yes. Insidious. Yeah, you yep. can. He probably watched it. He's probably oh, a big fan yeah. of The Changeling. You don't 100%. really hear about this movie that often either as an inspiration. Everyone goes to The Shining all the time. Yeah. It's like The Shining, The Shining, this... The Shining. Changeling. You never really hear about people being inspired or influenced by it. Yeah, this is one of those. I think The Changeling. Uh, I say this about music too. This is a filmmaker's film. Yeah, <laughs> this is a movie that filmmakers are influenced by, mm-hmm. like Kate Bush. Everybody loves Kate Bush now yeah, because yeah, of the, yeah. but nobody Stranger really <laughs> knows who she is. But musicians know who she is. Kate yeah. Bush is a musician's musician. Yeah. Typo Negative is a metal band's metal yeah. metal band. I you get know, what like you're saying. Every metal band, Pantera is in, is inspired by Typo Negative. But yeah. most pan, but a lot of Pantera fans don't know who Typo Negative is. Yeah, yeah. But the musicians do. 
That you know, makes and, sense. Like you said, and I think the, the changeling is film. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, and Tarantino <laughs> does that. Like how many movies he's inspired by no. you've never heard of, but it's yeah. you know, I mean, he's just the extreme example of it. He's a very he's, he's the extreme example completely of it. lifting scenes yes, and things totally. from movies he 100%. loves and just kind of changing up the formula a bit to make it not enough to get in yeah. trouble as an homage. Not yeah, really, but you, <laughs> you know, see it. Though, we all do that when as he filmmakers. Talks, oh, we all do exactly. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, I say that I, I mention him just because he's so easy to just like oh people understand when I say what like well like what Tarantino does where he wears all of his influences right on his sleeve and you know it you see it you've never and then he'll tell you the movie that came out in 1953 that every single film <laughs> yeah. that has done this came from you know the, he'll tell you which Kurosawa film has that specific sound effect of the sword that has been used in 50,000 <laughs> movies ever since you know what I mean she said she'd seen a boy, very small, very thin, almost gnome-like. And he, he was trying to come up through the floor, and he kept staring at her. So speaking of the seance and all of that, there is, there's, there's more to it. And uh, in, in both the one, the one that you have and the UHD release, they're both Severn releases, the special features are the same. Mm-hmm. On both of them, uh, which kind of sucks. You yeah, know, I was hoping for, extra on the version, for a little bit more. The new version. And they both have the soundtrack yeah. too. Like the sound, yeah. the discs are different. The discs, <laughs> <laughs> like it's the same soundtrack, but like uh, that's the soundtrack CD yeah. on yours, mm-hmm. right? And right, no, that's the soundtrack CD on the new one. Yeah, I don't think the version I have has a soundtrack. This version yes, does. doesn't have a soundtrack. It does. That's the my, soundtrack. M- mine doesn't. <laughs> oh, see, that's why yeah. I get the two disc. That's why. Yeah, I have the, yeah, yeah. So you just have the Blu-ray. Yeah, that's I why have I have Blu-ray. this fancy, this fancy blue cover. Yeah, because I got the two disc with the soundtrack. Uh, so now I have the soundtrack twice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now double dip on the soundtrack. Su- double dip in case on I want to listen to it a second time. Yeah, yeah if I want to listen to it twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's funny how we talk about how influential it is, considering the fact that there is supposedly a true story that goes behind this. Um, so in the movie, uh, the film, the 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 house is in a, is in Chessman Park, mm-hmm. okay, and it's in Seattle, but it's all based on a story in Cheeseman Park in <laughs> Denver, Colorado, which was okay. the original name of the film too, right? They wanted to call it a House. house on- House yeah, on house or on, at Cheeseman Park or something, something like, like that. Yeah. yeah, house on Cheeseman Park, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was based on a true story by Russell Hunter. Uh, Russell Hunter rented a historic house in Cheeseman Park across the street from Cheeseman Park, from the, from yeah. the actual park, Cheeseman Park. Um, he rented a historic house. He was a composer, and he wrote a book that came out uh he wrote a book and this was this took place i think in 1967 or 68 or so where he had rented this house this large house for a year uh it was a historic house so he could work on his composition and he, and he had rented this big house because it was only because the rent was $200 a month wow so that's crazy could, yeah so he couldn't turn it down so that he, but even that that was amazing rent and he's like fine i'll take it 200 bucks yeah. a month i'll i'll take it um and in his book, he tells a story of how he discovered a hidden door inside a closet that led to a staircase and a room 
of a little boy, a little, a little boy's bedroom hidden upstairs. And he found the diary of this little boy, this little boy who was the heir to a uh, fortune that the boy was supposed to inherit like $70 million on his 21st birthday, as long as the little boy survived. Otherwise it would go to one of his distant relatives. The boy's parents couldn't let that get away. So they actually adopted a child and locked their actual child in the attic room with nothing but a little red and white striped ball to play with. That's how the story, that's what, that's what the diary says. He, he lived up there and he actually, the, the kid supposedly died when he was like 11 or 12. And they raised the adopted son as him. And in his 21st birthday, he inherited the family. Yeah, and he actually became a local politician of some type, you know? And that's the literal story of the changeling. So this is all based on this guy's book, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Beyond that, Cheeseman Park in and of itself has a crazy, crazy history. I I saw that in the the special feature about the bodies and it being all the, it's like all these graves. About a hundred years ago. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred years ago, it was a cemetery. Yeah. And they never upkept the cemetery. I'm going to do the quick version of it. They They didn't upkeep the cemetery and the city wanted to do something with it. So they decided they were going to turn it into a park. Uh, so they basically, they said, well, we got to get the bodies out of here. And something like 20,000 bodies were buried in there. They went to local you know, undertakers or workers or whatever, and they put the bid out for who would move the bodies to the new location. And they went with the guy with the lowest, the lowest what a bid. Job. What a job to have. Yes. And this is like 1890s or so. Yeah. Uh, so this guy does the lowest bid, and he soon realizes they, they're paying him like a dollar seventy-five or a dollar ninety-five or something like that per body that he moves. So they're gonna take the bodies out, put them in new coffins, and move them to it. So they paid him per coffin. Mm-hmm. All right. So every time he moved a coffin, there's another dollar ninety or so. Um, he eventually realized how much work this really was. <laughs> so he decided to scam the city into get, paying him more. So they got smaller coffins to make them easier to move. They got literal child's coffins, kids' oh, coffins. So twisted, man. <laughs> they started digging up the bodies and chopping them up into pieces. Crazy. And putting like an arm inside this coffin. There's one. Here, put a head in this coffin. There's another. So he would get uh, he would get anywhere from 4 to 7 coffins per body. So That's instead crazy. of a dollar instead of a dollar 90 per body, he was making like $10 per body. Okay. That's crazy. When Isn't you think it? about it, like if you think there's a certain type of individual yep. that could stomach doing yep. something like this. I, I, I'm assuming people <laughs> and he had a whole crew of people who did it. People were built very different back <laughs> yes. in, back in that time. I'm sure. Yep. So he had a whole crew of people who did this, and after a couple of months, like local people saw what he was doing, and they like they would walk, they would they would pass by, and there would be literal bodies just chopped into part. I mean, of course they're dried up because these are all yeah. these are all these are already decomposed bodies, but there's literal piles of bones and body parts and clothing. Didn't they, and, didn't and they, they offer would, the families like, hey, if you want to move the body yourself, you next. better do it now, right? Yeah, that okay. was next. Yeah, after okay. they realized what he was doing, they took him off of it, and I think he was actually charged for it. And then they actually brought him up on charges of desecration or yeah. something like that. Uh, and then they contacted all the families and they said, "Look, you have 90 days to get your get your family members out. Uh, certain areas of the of the um, 
cemetery also were run by different religious groups. There was like a Jewish section, there was a Catholic section. So other parts of the church, the, so the churches came in then too, and they moved, a lot of them moved their people. By the time it was done, they basically was, okay, so you have 90 days and we're going to start plowing. I'm going to start clearing up. I'm going to turn this into anybody who's not removed. Well, they're just going to stay there. Yeah. Because um, they assumed anybody who hadn't been, they didn't have family, they didn't have anything. And it's like, well, what are we re reburying people for if there's nobody else, nobody coming to see them, nobody who cares? It became very cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's and, crazy. Uh, when it was said and done, there was something like, and estimated between three and 6,000 bodies that are still under the park. As early as recently as 2017, they have still they are still finding body parts. Wow! They were they were running an irrigation system in like 2017, and when they dug it up, body parts, not even Bones. bodies, like parts. parts. Yes, yes, <laughs> because they had chopped up and they had dug Skull up the here, up. femur there. Yeah. Jesus in in the uh, in the overhead shots, you can actually look up photos of Cheeseman Park. You can still see there are sections where you see squares. That's because wild. they because it was just never filled in properly over the years. This this park was just treated like dog shit. Yeah, you know? and great. there are people who have there were there was there was a team of hikers, people who were just in the park like picnicking or something in like 2012, and they found body parts like they were just yeah. there. When you think about <laughs> it, a lot of the that's like the go to like poltergeist haunted house. Mm -hmm. Yep, you know deal where. They bear. They built the home or the yep. park or whatever over. Well, in Poltergeist, wasn't it an Indian burial ground? But in this case, yes. it was like an actual. You moved the headstones, but you, yeah, didn't, you didn't move, move the, the bodies. Body. Like you leave, and that's like, exactly what happened here. And in this case, yeah. it was like that. It, it was just people from. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing the town that was just a cemetery. Yeah. So it's really yeah. twisted how that happened. And and yeah. so this and this house is crazy. directly across the street from it. So the house, so the park is already known as kind of haunted by the by the spirits there. The guy uh, uh, Hunter Hunter Russell, he eventually got tired of it. He went and he and apparently he found the kid in the well. <laughs> he found the kid's body in a well or something, something like yes, like he actually That's went. Crazy. So that whole part of the story is apparently yeah. true. Found it, they excavated, they did the whole thing, and it got worse. He actually this ball. Actually, after they found the body, they did the whole thing. He came home and he had he had he had just like just like in the movie where he threw the ball into the water. This guy threw the ball into the mountains, and yeah. he came home and the ball was bouncing down the stairs at him. It's the only time a ball is is that yes. terrifying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he actually he was in the house for about a year and he finally had enough and he had the house demolished. Mm -hmm. oh, he destroyed okay. the house. And in the they, movie, it's it's played up a way shorter shorter amount of time yes. that uh, that John. Oh yeah, he's in, maybe in a month. Yeah, maybe he's in there for a month. Maybe a month. I, I took it as almost a few weeks, and that was basically yeah. not even a month. Maybe two or three yeah, weeks. Yeah, not even. Yeah, yeah it's very quick. So. Uh, but he's there for about a year, and he knocks the house down. But and and the way that the guy explains it, it uh, so this was a story that I kind of knew before this, but I knew that there's a whole lot more to it. This guy gave like in the special features, he gave like a ten minute rundown. Yeah. You know? Um, but, uh, apparently in, in the, in the ghost's final act of defiance, when they went to knock it, they knocked it down, something happened and the whole place exploded and it killed one of the workers wow. who was demolishing the house. Yeah. Uh, so now the question, and they even say this, the thing, what happens to a ghost that's haunting a house if the house is no longer there? Yeah. When it, if it's, if it's destroyed. 
Yeah, mm. apparently people say that they've seen a little boy in the park playing with a little red and white ball. Wow, that's a really creepy image. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for that. There are, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are reports of that. So now that ghost has apparently joined the other ghosts of Cheeseman Park. You know, and yeah, there's a whole lot more to it, but like uh, you can look into this. It's it's crazy. Like they were victims of syphilis or something that oh, the, wow. that, the yeah. that the hospital nearby would that they were and and uh, um and homeless and stuff. They got tired of actually burying them, spending their own money burying these people, and they just dug mass graves for them. Oh God, that's and that's horrible. also yeah near the park. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> Yeah. It's, in in the on the Blu-ray, I believe the gentleman's name is Phil Goldstein. He's the one oh. that's running down in that special feature. He's running down uh, the story, if I remember I correctly. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's wearing a name. lovely shirt with cowboy boots he on it. He, he is, is a, a character. He is a character. He's wearing a <laughs> lovely shirt with little cowboy boots all over it, and he's very eccentric. So yeah, it is it is an interesting watch, and and. Watching him describe the story you just told, a little more detailed, mm-hmm. obviously. He like yeah. you could, he wrote it. He wrote an entire book, I think, about it. Yes, he has a book yeah. about it. Um, it's pretty entertaining. Like yeah. th- this guy takes this story he very. Didn't, he serious. didn't mention though, though, because he talks about the family and everything. Yeah, yeah. In the house he didn't mention it. some of the details you mentioned. The fact there is no record of when this little boy should have lived in the house. Yeah. There's no record of anybody actually living there, though. Hmm. There's a record of when the boy of the family that lived there about the time that they had a son. It was like 1901. And that's when this little boy should have been born. Mm -hmm. But if he died when he was 11 or 12, it would have been 1912. The house was vacant for about 10 years at that time. Wow. That's that's weird. So it's quite possible that Hunter Russell's entire book is bullshit. Wow. That he just made that whole story up. He just made the story up to sell it There's no... To sell a book, yeah. yeah. There's actually cool. no record of it. It is. It is really cool. You market the you book, know? you know, and this is way before, you know, viral and marketing. Just, just tell people it's book. true. And everything you said plays into the ending of the film with this senator not being the biological son of the mm-hmm. person in the house because the real son was murdered and he has yeah. no idea that he's, you know, he's not. He's He inherited all this shit, but he's not biologically related to that guy. So yeah, it, it yeah. is interesting how they they lifted basically the intent the the entire ending and plot of the changeling mm-hmm. is the story and it is it yeah. does make for a good good creepy ghost story just all together just how how it works and plays out. I do want to talk about the ending of the movie a little bit to kind of veer yeah. kind of segue back into the movie. What do you how do you feel about the whole thing where when the senator, when George C. Scott John confronts him and tells him, you know, basically, you know why I'm here. I'm not here to blackmail you. I'm, he, he, he tells him why. You suspected something was wrong your whole yeah, life. Yeah, you knew something was wrong, and this is what happened. And George C. Scott's telling him. Mm-hmm. And he kind of blows him off. He's like, oh, fuck you. He doesn't say fuck you. But you know what I mean? He kind of yeah. just blows the guy off. When we cut back to the house later, and the ghost is upset, and it's on yeah. fire, and mm-hmm. he sends a guy to, you know, he thinks he's being blackmailed. He sends a guy to, he sends like one of his one of the cops yeah, or something like cop. that to kind of bribe him or like hey we know what you're doing don't fuck with us and the cop dies it's very the whole last act of the film moves very quickly the it cop does. dies and then he goes he goes and confronts the senator it the escalates cop dies real fast yeah. really quick house is engulfed in flames what did you think about the senator kind of just a vision of him appearing in the house while it's on fire and then he dies of a heart attack when yeah at when his i home. was yeah, when I was young, I always thought it was that 
suddenly he was like transported there and he's walking yeah. up there because John sees him walking too. Yeah. But in the commentary, he says that the that he 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 says it in the way it should have been is that um, there's the one shot of the senator stare and and the the desk is shaking and the picture shaking. He has a heart attack right then and there. Mm-hmm. He dies and has a heart attack there. So it's actually his spirit. That is now in back the in the house, house where oh, he grew up. Oh, that makes sense then. It doesn't That's, read that. It doesn't, it doesn't. come no, off that way when you watch the movie. Not. It comes yes. off as mo- almost like George C. Scott's having a vision. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always because thought. George C. Scott's on the floor. The chandelier almost kills him. And mm-hmm. he's watching the senator walking up the stairs to the attic. Yeah. Where the spirit, you know, the, the spirit yeah. of the boy. I, I always is. thought, like, how the hell did he suddenly get to this house? Like, did the yeah. spirit, did the boy pull him physically there? You know, um, it's almost like a weird, like, limbo situation where he's in the middle of death. So, like yeah. you said, his spirit. I guess that's how the director. That's how Peter Medic explained it. Dead because the he scene is. Cuts, you missed it though. He yeah. is already dead though. Because it cuts back to him on the floor and he's kind of dealing with everything. I guess I guess just in the edit of the the finale and that Mm -hmm. ending scene is a little it's a little funky, but if we was gonna say one thing Yeah, if I was gonna say one thing I didn't like, then maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just that it's really not it's the editing is really weird. Like you should have shown I think they should have shown him die from the heart attack first and then the and then him appear in the house where it's like, okay, clearly his spirit left his body and yeah. now he's back in the house and he's going back up to the room. He's going back to like where the technically home he grew up in. The whole home yeah, the home he grew up in. And like and you know, to go to go back to just the ending overall and it moving so quick, and that's probably my the thing I don't like about the movie too. It's it's like the cop shows up the cop dies, and mm-hmm. it's kind of silly. You get the shot of the cop flipping upside, upside down, down, all bloody. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of strange, but that that's probably the weakest. It's a great ending. Yeah, I love the. I love you know Claire entering the house, the wheelchair chasing her. Really intense oh scene. Oh my god, the cheer you know, like growls yeah. at her. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes this force that just wants to get her. The no. ghost is obviously upset because George C. Scott John can't really help him. He's yeah. doing as much as he can, and the senator is not dealing with this shit. He doesn't want to deal. He doesn't want to basically confront the truth. That's mm-hmm. basically what the ending is. And yeah. again, going back to something we said earlier, John is just stuck in the middle of this when he really has nothing to do with it. Um, yeah. And just the whole way it's executed, I will say it is a little, it is a little clunky. Just a little quick. Uh, yeah, it's quick, and it's almost like even with the cop dying, he. Mm-hmm. It's a little odd. It, it comes Shoot off as a one. premonition, vision type deal, but I don't think that's what they were going for. But that's what yeah. it feels like, you I know. And that's. That. It's still a great I feel like ending. the cop might have. You probably could have lost the cop, and it wouldn't have even like he could have. Okay, he came in. He told him to stay away from him, and yeah. then the fact that he dies, it almost doesn't add anything to the story. It's a yeah, it really it's a, ir- it's irrelevant character. He could have been removed entirely from the script, and and it wouldn't have changed anything in the movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I I, I get that. It's 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 one of those things where you could say that about a lot of different things. You know. It, when it comes to a movie like this, I guess they just want to add more meat to the bones and stretch out scenes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of movies, especially like horror movies of this time that are really slowly paced, they had a lot of exposition with characters where in reality, this movie's an hour and what, 45 minutes. It probably could have been shaved down oh. to an hour and 35. You know what I mean? And, it's and an hour, that scene is... Hour 47, yeah. Yeah, so close. So think about it. That scene, yeah. that character would have been removed. It would have sped up the film a little 
and maybe they could have fleshed out that ending mm-hmm. a little better, you know. Yeah. But well, there's a also, reason why they added the cop, so you know. Well, that does that does say a little bit more about about the characters though, between the cop and then there's mm-hmm. the other woman that works at the historical society who calls the senator when they're looking into it, which almost it almost implies that the senator has known this his whole life. Yeah, he almost like doesn't want to. Maybe he did know. Yeah, like this is yeah. why they don't. This is why they don't have people. People. He doesn't the want house to doesn't it. want people. Well, I don't yeah. know if he doesn't want to accept it. I think that he's a, that that he doesn't want it to come out that he's not actually. Well, he thinks it's blackmail. That, that's the whole like. Oh, you're trying to blackmail me, but that's not even what George C. Scott. But I mean, even but I mean, even before that, yeah. I think the I think the senator always knew this, and that's why when someone's looking into the house, she calls him immediately. Mm-hmm. That like he knows that the whole thing, though his entire inheritance is predicated on the fact that the little boy survives to be twenty one years old. Yeah. If he's not the little boy legally, even now, 70, 80 years later, it's not his. Yeah, the inheritance so isn't his. He it's basically quite is, possible. Yeah. Yes, they li- that that legally he might literally lose everything. He'll lose everything, and he's a yeah, politician, it's, so yeah, it's like it's quite possible. Yeah, that, that exactly on top. We of that, see he's his like private jet, and we yes. see like we see what his life is. And this is an older. I, I forget. I don't have the actor's name in my notes. Melvin Douglas. There you go. I know he's uh he's been in a lot of shit too. But you know you. You see him, and he's like an 80-year-old man. He passed away, the actor, a year later. This is like an yeah. 80-year-old man. Oh, which yeah, I think he was. Adds, he was very... Yeah, which adds to just the realization that you're not man. who you've... You literally have lived your, almost your entire life, mm-hmm. and you're not that person. You're mm-hmm. not... And I, I think he knew. Know? I think I yeah. think he knew, or at least had a heavy suspect. I think mm-hmm. that John's right ending. when he says that. That he's, yeah. he suspected it. In fact, the actor was, at least the actor was old. He was very frail. He was very, he was very slow moving, you know, mm-hmm. but he's still, when you, they, 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 when they have the two of them in the room together. Yeah, it's a great scene. <laughs> holy crap. Like, yeah. they, they own it. You can yeah, tell yeah. the caliber of two actors yeah. in this room right here. You see it, you know. Yeah. But and these are not said, like young guys. Like, George C. Scott's like in his 50s, early 50s at least in uh, this movie. That. About 52, about 53. So it's like these yeah. are like two guys. Like you got like an 80-year-old man and like a middle-aged 50-something-year-old man. And, you know, George C. Scott can play grumpy when he wants to. So it's like uh-huh. really an aggressive. Yeah. It's very – it's yeah. just a very well-acted scene yeah. and just, director, just kind of how it all plays out. The director even said uh, that in the at – the, at that end scene when he's, when, when he's walking up the stairs yeah. – um, he said if you watch it in slow motion, he's like if you go frame by frame – you can actually that uh, Peter Medak says you can actually see my hands out because uh, um, he went up the stairs as soon as he gets to the top landing the se- the the set crew is dropping the ceiling yeah you know and they said and he was moving very slowly and very frail he said just because of his physical condition so yeah. he just barely made it out of the way and, he's wow. like, and if you see for like a frame or two you actually see peter Meta, i think it's peter Meta, i think it's the director's hands reach out just in case he fell wow i have and to actually, go back and watch that yeah, that's crazy i didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice. notice it i wanted <laughs> yeah. to go back and look at it too when he said it i just didn't go back and look but apparently he said yeah you he's like my hands are in the shot just in case he falls yeah. to he catch looked him. frail he looked like yeah. the actor and again he died a year later so when this was released so yes. imagine he died uh, in 81 was, i believe yeah he was 80 when he yeah was, he died in, he i remember died in I, I i went on his wikipedia while watching the movie because i was so curious mm-hmm. as to and he passed away a year later so it's kind of crazy yep. god son of a bitch what is it you want 
nothing more to do. Before we, we, we give our closing thoughts here, let's run down just really quick what we don't have to go in depth the details, just kind of what the special you, you already talked about one of them, you know, the backstory of the actual haunting and, and that Phil Goldstein guy, mm-hmm. the character with his yeah. nice, colorful shirt talking about what happened, the commentary. Um, there's also a, a on location type deal where they run yeah. down all the locations. I think that could have been a little bit better. They yeah, kinda, they don't they actually kinda... go to all of them. Only some yeah. of them, right? Yeah. yeah. So they do. They go to like two or three of them, and they but mm-hmm. uh, uh, they didn't even go to all. You know, nah. like you said, they didn't. I, w- I would have liked to see all of them, but uh, Mike Gingold and Ted Gogan go to Lincoln Center yeah. for it, and um, he does his uh, Mike Gingold from Fangoria. He yeah. does that himself. He's done a lot of different commentary. Yeah, I think I saw him on the Maniac uh, yeah. Blu-ray too. Yeah, that he I he does have. that they, regularly. That's yeah, it's part, cool. That's one of it's his. It's always things. cool to go yeah. to filming locations where they exactly. shot movies. I, I'm a big fan of that. But I feel like I've watched some YouTubers that do a better job at going to where a film was located and locating mm-hmm. every aspect. But I get yeah, it. This, this wasn't movie, done very well. Nah, it was okay. This was kind was, of. Eh. It's probably yeah, the weakest the two of, them of did all it. the. Two of them went and had fun when they shot that. They went and they did that. Uh, so they did the Lincoln Center one, and they actually recreated the shots. Mm-hmm. And then um, the house, the ex, the house, um, was it the exterior of the house itself where they shot? That house no longer exists. It's another house that's built mm, there. They built something um, in its place, basically. Yeah, they built something mm-hmm. else there. Um, uh, Ryan Nicholson. The mm-hmm. director of Gutterballs, mm-hmm. he goes there. I mean, he's just outside of it for like. Yeah, a, I was in Canada, a, right? If I remember uh, correctly, I believe so. Yeah, I yeah. believe so. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he goes there, and he's outside it for like two minutes, and he talks for a little bit. Well, they it's, shot. It's kind of cool. They shot a lot of Canadian. It's like very Canadian. A lot yes. of the stuff that they shot in this movie, so it makes sense. Uh, it was. I think the whole set was Canadian because it was, was all. Canada, I mean, yeah. yeah, they had to do. They had to shoot a certain percentage of the film in Canada mm-hmm. to get the to get the um, grants or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So. So it is mostly a Canadian production, yeah. and then everything else is just location. Like the yeah. outside of the house is is, yeah. is here, and, sets, and the like outside of the house in Seattle. Yeah, it's <laughs> all the outside of the houses in Seattle, and then there's the um, oh man, the airport that he's in is actually the same airport that um, DB Cooper flew out of. Oh really? <laughs> That's yes. funny. I didn't even recognize <laughs> that. I would have never known. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so we have that. So you have the location. You have you have the location moving to location. I forget. Yeah, I forget what they the called Chessman, the, the the Cheeseman Park one, where the guy talks about the history. Yeah, there's um, that building the House of Horror, where they talk about the um, the art director sets that they built. Yeah. Yes, the actual art directing the sets they built mm-hmm. the facade and all that. That's a good one. Uh, there's a nice. There's a cool little thing of Mick Garris. Yeah, I like ta- that one. Just talking. It's about short. It. It's like four minutes long. It's like yeah, one of the it's shorter. Short. It's really cool, though. Getting him on, like, Masters of Horror to direct yeah. an episode and all yeah. that. So it, it is cool. It's always good to see Mick Garris on, on you know, mm-hmm. on stuff. You know, yeah. funny enough, the first time you were on Haunted Hangover, Anthology Obscure, we talked about a Masters of Horror episode. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Now you're here doing this show with me <laughs> Mick Garris is Mick Garris is in, he's, he's everywhere. Uh, <laughs> and then there's another one, which is which is um, probably besides the history, besides mm-hmm. the house on Cheeseman Park, the interview. It was at uh, what is it uh, Morbido Fest in 2018. Yes, that yes. Peter Medic did an interview there. This yes. is like an hour long. Yeah, that's probably and the longest. It's very one. meaty, and it talks yeah. about his career. It talks about the fact that he's technically he's not a Holocaust survivor. Yeah, but he's a World War II survivor. He was in um, let's see, uh, 
Ham, what, what was he? What, 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 uh, 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 shit. I don't Hungary, remember Hungary. that detail at all. Yeah. He was born in, yeah, he was born yeah. in Hungary and, uh, it was right after he was born during World War II. And as he grew up after World War II, Hungary became very heavily communist. No, okay. Uh, and he left specifically because of it. He, that's why he left the country, because he couldn't pursue artistic anything. Yeah, that's the, the that's depressing. You guys wanted to make movies, yeah. man, and be artistic. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's so also he, something with the composer as well, right? Too, if I remember correctly. Yes, a whole yeah, he talks special, about, talks to the composer. I forget the gentleman's name. I know he works with John Williams a lot because he talks uh, about Ken, working. On, yes. Ken Wanberg. I have I have the Blu-ray right in front of me. I could have just said that too. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> Ken uh, yeah, Kenneth Wan yeah, Kenneth Wanberg. He uh he talks about his like relationship with John Williams and working on Star Wars and Jurassic mm -hmm. Park and, and all those movies. Which is really cool how he went from Star Wars to this. Because Star Wars was only a few years prior. It was like seventy mm -hmm. seven, I think, if I remember correctly. Well, I mean John Williams technically did. He worked with John Williams. This was yeah. his. This was just so, him. John Williams had nothing yeah. to do with it. He was like, it was like they just worked together, were collaborate, I guess, collaborators uh, together. Uh, but that's basically it. There's also like radio spots, posters, the the usual stuff. I do have to dive into the commentary. I have, I have, I myself have not watched it with the commentary, so that's one thing I have to take some time out. And I'm sure they give you a lot of facts about the movie. And like you said, the whole thing with holding the actor when he was going up the steps, I, mm -hmm. I would have never, never even no. noticed that yeah. if it I, probably I, wasn't I, for the commentary. He you, well, you talked told about me. it. He talked about it and I don't see it. So I have to like watch it, you know, whatever to, the like, editor or whatever, be, the way they shot it, it maybe one of those. Job. Well, so. you know what it is? It might also be one of those things that being the director or, or he knows where it is. Like he yeah. knows where he was sitting and well, he we can see. Know. Yeah, like we look at it, it might be just a weird shape in the background, but he's yeah. looking like, no, that's my hand. You it's know, shadow, shadow yeah, on the wall, exactly. And exactly. like that one centimeter more out of, my it, out of frame is like <laughs> his finger, finger. Like, holding like that. So <laughs> yeah, probably, but he said if you, he says if you go frame by frame, you see it. It's quite possible it. only he sees it because yeah. he knows it's Everybody else is like, he's seen the I movie a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, he's seen it a million times. He knows every nook and cranny of every frame. Yeah, so exactly. that's kind of the uh, thing. Do you, now here's, here's before we give our closing thoughts. Do you think this is a good buy? Do you think the listeners should purchase the changeling on, oh, yes. on, on the Blu-ray on the, I, on Blu-ray on this Blu-ray specifically, probably I the think, 4k at this point, I think get the 4k because it also has the Blu-ray as well. So you get yes. both and then it has the soundtrack. So it's everything that's been released and it has the new transfer, which is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, it, I think that this is a film that should be in every horror collector's collection. I agree. Number one, this is, this is a staple. You need to have it because this is where they, this is where the, the, the haunted house films come from. Yeah. Like it really is. It is, it's the inspiration for countless, countless. <laughs> haunted house. I movies. think if anyone, if you're a horror fan and you've never seen this movie and you watch it, you're going to be like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh yep. shit. Because you're going to see, see just, mm -hmm. There's stuff that other movies have sprinkled, other haunted house movies yeah. like use bits and pieces. I was even trying to think of like the ball. I feel like I feel like another horror film has used a ball before. I can't think of it right now, but I, I, the top I agree. Of my with head, you. I can't. But yeah, I agree. I, I, horror I fans, to, you should have, you should own this movie. <laughs> yeah, with with my age, I I have to fight with that. With that. What do you mean you've never seen it? What do you mean you've never seen that? You know, I have to fight with that because just yeah. because of my age, you know, a little if bit. You're a 25 year old horror fan. You you probably you've probably more than never, likely you, have never seen this movie. Or no, even heard exactly. Of it. 
a lot of horror fans don't talk about it. In all honesty, they don't. You don't really hear. It's one of those movies that's talk about. And then somebody says, "You're right. Oh man, the Changeling. That's amazing. That's right." You know, it really, it really does. It doesn't get forgotten, but it doesn't get talked about as much as it should. Doesn't get. It doesn't get enough love. That's kind of just. It's underrated. That's the that's the word to use. It's underrated. And not enough people. As influential as it is, it's still underrated. It's still underrated, and 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 I'd say the same thing. The, my, my closing thoughts are this: This is basically what I'll say. It's not the most action-packed film. I would admit that it's not. It's very slowly played. It's very like slowly paced, but um, it's got a lot of solid performances in it. Obviously, George C. Scott is the he's the king of the movie. He's he's yeah. he carries the entire film. You know, it's bleak. It's depressing. You know, it, it really it, it's the perfect atmosphere for that style of storytelling with it being a haunted house and just the setup of everything. And it's probably the only movie I could think of that makes a rubber ball and weird <laughs> wheelchair extremely frightening. And I'd say this. We both highly recommend it. What is it in that house, Claire? What is it doing? Why is it trying to reach me? John. Is it because of my daughter? I can't go through all this again. John, you must get out of that house. So that was our very deep, very deep dive into The Changeling. Be sure to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Haunted Hangover. Also, Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Haunted Hangover 31. Be sure to rate and review us. That would be greatly appreciated. It helps new people find the show, and it tells the algorithm that you like us. <laughs> and as always, remember, the best cure for a hangover is... More booze. Catch you guys later. Later.